Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. It's an honor to be your host, where I get to introduce listeners to inspiring women who are making a real difference. With our podcast, you'll hear inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges our guests overcame, how their backgrounds helped to shape who they are today, and how they're empowering others and giving back to their communities and oftentimes the world. Joining me today, I'm very excited, is to have Laura Poutre, who is an award-winning journalist and senior editor at Industry Week, where she manages a network of 200-plus contributors and covers leadership in manufacturing and reporting on professionals who are changing the industry. Laura is a firsthand witness to the challenges women face in manufacturing and is a master juggler herself, raising a family while managing a very demanding career. So enough from me. Laura, thank you for being my guest. Thanks, Linda. And thanks for that great introduction. Really glad to be here. We're glad to have you. And I do want to say, I was saying earlier, Laura is my first journalist. And we usually speak with CEOs and people who are heading up companies. And it's such a refreshing perspective to have the journalist perspective because you're getting both sides. And certainly with Industry Week, which is the creme de la creme of all manufacturing publications. So, so I'm excited. You have such an interesting background. Obviously, manufacturing is in your DNA, but could you tell our listeners more about you? So I've been um, a journalist for about 20 plus years, I'll just say. and. Wow. I um, grew up in a manufacturing family. My dad was an engineer and worked for NASA as a rocket scientist, actually. And then my brother, um, you know, he works in manufacturing in Cleveland also as a, like an engineering project manager from, from Moen right now. It's just been in my family. So I think um, when I came to Industry Week, I had a little bit of an understanding of the culture and I've worked in newspapers for a long time in Cleveland and Chicago and freelanced and did healthcare, did a lot of healthcare writing. And the complexity of that kind of lent itself all to working for Industry Week and writing about manufacturing. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet. Some of the things I, I love to hear when I hear, hear about backgrounds and, and certainly with yours is the, the core values that were instilled in you just growing up. If you could maybe just speak to that for a minute and and tell us a little bit about who were the early influencers or mentors in addition to your parents. Some of the values, I guess, starting with my parents were like hard work and kindness, charity and compassion, levity, like make time for fun. And um, also the one that didn't stick was frugality Probably. <laughs> my, my dad was an immigrant and very frugal. So, and, you know, they both kind of came, both of my parents kind of came from like poor backgrounds. So I guess just an appreciation for that. I learned teachers have been early influencers. I had some really great teachers from elementary school through college and my journalism teachers in college really taught me just all about the ethics of journalism. And they taught me about how to ask good questions and be thorough and accurate and tell the stories that matter. And I think also there have been various women in my life as well, just friends and people I've come into contact within the community that have, you know, taught me how to be bold and put myself out there and speak up. So that's been really valuable. Oh, I love that. That's great. 
and your career. I mean, you went from, you have a bachelor's in, and I just want to share with our readers, in newspaper journalism, and then you have an MFA, correct? Right. I do. It's an unusual background. I majored in, I got a master's of fine arts and creative writing. And I think that actually helped me to become a better writer and a better storyteller. That's helped me in my job, writing stories that people actually want to read. Um, exactly. If you can tell a good story, people will want to hear it. Yeah, that's right. And you are. You're, you're a professional storyteller. Yeah. And looking back at your career, I mean, you've been with a number, I know you said early on in Chicago, but you helped to actually co-found a magazine, Built Magazine. Oh, yes, I did. Before Industry Week, I, I worked with two other people to um, start a online publication about the Rust Belt meaning everything like um, the economy to um, issues in the community to the arts. I mean, so it's just, it was a very place-centered publication. What made you want to do that? What inspired you for that? Just the people that I was working with, they were really excited about this region of the country did not really have a voice, a strong voice. Maybe Cleveland just bringing them together, bringing these different communities together in the Rust Belt, like Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Detroit, give it a stronger voice and a stronger sense of place. And like that there were a lot of myths about the area that needed to be dispelled or explained. Yeah. And talking about all the amazing people that come from these areas. Right. And, yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. What, that's wonderful. So when you look back on your editorial career, including Industry Week, what would you say is has been your most, I don't know, this is a tough question, but what has been your most rewarding experience? You know, working here has been great because they're just great people in manufacturing um, and they don't always get the attention that they deserve, though they're so important to the world. Mm. And I also love the complexity of manufacturing and that the issues and manufacturing are relevant a lot of times to the larger world, like changes in technology, you know, challenges with people, and they're on the front lines of just like everything that's going on in the world. I feel like I worked in Chicago. I was the editor of a couple of local newspapers in the neighborhoods around downtown Chicago, and I liked writing on the like micro issues that have like a huge impact on people. And just like Industry Week, there was a very dedicated readership. People were like, they would come to us because they couldn't find the information anywhere else. With Industry Week, that information might be like specifically around diversity and manufacturing. And in Chicago, Journal was maybe like, hey, what's going on with all the scaffolding going up on all the buildings? <laughs> it's really annoying. What's Why is that? <laughs> so those were my industry week and Chicago Journal were my top two experiences. That's great. And now, I mean, with industry week, maybe you could just share a little bit more about the mission. And then you've got this fabulous contributor program with, right. I mean, you know, a couple of hundred people. We're focused on the business of manufacturing. So we're like a business publication that is specifically focused on manufacturing. We're less of a technical publication, although some of our operations and technology stories do get kind of technical, but they apply to the, the leaders of the company. We want to give leaders information that they can 
use to do their jobs better and be leading edge companies and on top of trends. So um, that's our mission. And like the contributors, that's a very valuable part of our content. We have both online and print and most of our content is online, though we do have a print issue like four times a year. With the contributors, people can just reach out to me if they have some sort of expertise that they think they will would like to share with the manufacturing community. We're especially looking for manufacturing leaders who have something to say. I was noticing that I'd like to see more female bylines, you know, in mm. industry week. So, um, you know, we're always looking for good manufacturing leaders, we, you know, and we're definitely looking for someone wants to write about their experience as a woman in manufacturing. That's great. Or just some like issues of leadership. We're looking for that. Let's talk about that a little bit because mm -hmm. so you're doing obviously the contributor program, but you're also doing managing their leadership and their diversity. So so women in manufacturing is is an area that's on your radar. Let's just talk about that. Where have, in terms of just women in manufacturing in general, where have we improved over the past few years? And what are our challenges today? We've improved in the sense that gradually, I wouldn't say over the past few years, but just very slowly, there are more and more women in leadership roles. You know, there's definitely a higher percentage of women in leadership roles in manufacturing than there were 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Pay equity. We just finished up a salary survey that's going to be published in the print issue and online next week. And it showed a rather large gap still up to like 20%. A 20% difference between male and female. Yeah. There are some strides being made. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion around gender equity and pay but uh, there's still work that needs to be done. What do we need to do to be able to address? Because that's, I mean, this is, obviously it's, it's one of the oldest issues that's been going on yeah. across not just manufacturing. What do we need to do to lessen that gap? This kind of dovetails into like manufacturing challenges. A big challenge for manufacturing is to make it more appealing to women as a career. And one of those ways to make it more appealing is to pay women what they're worth right? and stop asking the question, how much were you paid in your last job? You know, if you're basing it on what they were paid in their last job, studies show that women aren't being paid enough. So don't base it on that, you know, just pay, <laughs> have a pay scale and use it across the board and pay women what they're worth. Hmm. There's all sorts of studies that are out and, and one in particular that's been lasting is the Deloitte study that talks about that there are less women in leadership positions, but there's also this idea of bias. It's just, you know, as a matter, a practical matter, many women, as they grow, as they get families or bring on families, they start their career they, and then they start families and they step out of the workforce. And so they're, it's like, essentially they're getting off that ladder while men are continuing on their path on the ladder. Women need to get off. They're starting a family. And then when they come back, they're starting where they were, you know, which is, right. which is behind what are your thoughts on that? I think it's important for employers to realize that this was not like a vacation for women. If they were, you know, leaving the workforce, that they've learned other skills during that time that can be valuable to employers, such as multitasking, scheduling, and, you know, they've maybe taken leadership roles in positions in their community where the leadership skills would translate 
to other things. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. From the PTA to uh, the program. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see pay equity then as, as the biggest challenge today for women in manufacturing, or is there something else? I think the challenge is to make it more appealing as a career. It is a good career. It can be a good, a very good career for women. Being a single mom myself, I see that it's a job where it pays better. I mean, like even on the shop floor, if you're just like, you know, we have to distinguish between leadership and the shop floor jobs, but like even on the shop floor, it pays better than, you know, what you're going to get like working in a restaurant or, you know, in a retail store. So, you know, there's a good pay, a lot of job security. So I would say to do that, employers, there are a bunch of things they can do to be more appealing to women, you know, mentor more women for leadership roles, consider gender-based training programs, you know, like all female training programs geared toward with maybe childcare support. Those have been proven to work and yet they're very rare. Looking for more women in leadership roles within your company, doing outreach specifically to girls in middle and high school about manufacturing careers, childcare subsidies, more flexibility around part-time versus full-time, job sharing, or just be more flexible because things come up for all parents or all people who are working at your facility. Just be understanding because kids get sick a lot and uh, once in a while mom and dad have a school function to go to or they need to talk to a teacher, things like that. A little goes a long way with that. Middle management training is very important. Make sure that your policies around diversity trickle down to middle management because those are the people that are going to be dealing with your employees day to day and making it a pleasant place to work where they, people want to come to work and be engaged versus like look for a job elsewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Some manufacturers may hear this and say, well, it's a, you know, it's a lot of effort. There are studies that show that when there are more women in leadership positions that the companies are actually more profitable. Can you speak to that? There was a study by Deloitte that looked at diverse companies and innovation and just revenue and that found that it was higher in more diverse companies. And I think there's a leadership consulting firm called uh, Egon Zender, who uh, I used as a source in one of my diversity stories. They have done quite a bit of research showing that um, diverse companies are healthier, more robust companies. Mm, absolutely. What companies are, I mean, if you could maybe cite an example or two, what companies are getting it and doing things right? Who are, who are the, the poster child manufacturers out there? I mean, there are like really a lot too many to name, but like definitely in automotive, they're usually ahead of other manufacturing sectors a bit. GM's Mary Barra has done a good job. She's brought diversity of perspective, sort of a new leadership style, more like a flat leadership style that's really brought in good ideas and getting them beyond their legacy reputation and propelling them ahead in the EV market. She's got a good, a diverse board and she has a lot of say in choosing the board, which is good. She's also the chair of the company. So she's got good advisors and with diverse perspectives. So I would say definitely Gia, Mary Barrett and then PPG, the, um, the large coating and paint manufacturer based in Pittsburgh, 
also, they've done a good job encouraging courageous conversations and making sure that their chief diversity officer is part of the fabric of the company and not like siloed into like diversity. So I know that there are smaller companies who've had success as well. And I, I would be interested in hearing from people at smaller companies who have unique approaches and uh, have been successful. Mm, okay, absolutely. Yeah, and, and one day, hopefully, we won't have to have a chief diversity officer. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just be, everything will be that way. Yeah. Cool. So, so tell us, what advice would you give to a manufacturer who recognizes the importance of it, but just doesn't know where to begin? Where do you start? You could start with, like, uh, just a couple resources. Uh, one uh, is the National Association of Manufacturers has some videos and like roundtables online that where manufacturers are talking about their diversity efforts and there's some good stuff in there. I would also suggest reading Industry Week for, you know, a little plug there for our diversity articles. (laughs) And then um, I would suggest like connecting with the local uh, manufacturing extension partnership, people who are very plugged into the community and a lot of resources. So, um, and then I would say just like get out of your comfort zone and Talk with leaders in your community that you don't usually talk to, you know, leaders of different races, maybe a pastor of a local church or a high school math teacher or head of a community organization that you wouldn't necessarily belong to just to get a better sense. And talk to your employees, you know, because they they know what's going on in there. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's yeah, an excellent point. Yeah. yeah. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So back to you, because I want to I make sure I've got, I've got a bunch more questions here, and we, but we never have enough time. But back to you personally, I always love to ask our guests, of all the people that you've met over the years, who inspires you the most and why? And whether it's through Industry Week, whether it's through you personally. I talked about the teachers a lot, you know, that I've come into contact with. If I had to pick one person... That would be hard. (laughs) Um, Who in manufacturing is inspiring you these days, male or female? Is there anybody out there that you feel like, wow, they're really doing it right? I think Huntington Ingalls, they're like a shipbuilding company. I really um, love talking to their people and um, their CEO, Mike Patters. He's done some pretty unique things. He's really supports his workforce and cares about them. And he's been donating a salary every year for scholarships for workers' kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of their plant managers is a woman, Jennifer Boykin. During COVID, she's been really transparent, kind of on the cutting edge with like her communications um, and not afraid to like just tell people what's going on and be honest and, but also and acknowledge things, but also take action. So, uh, yeah, I would say that. That's wonderful. And good lessons, right? They're good lessons for everybody. So speaking of advice, what's the best advice that you've ever gotten or that you didn't take, which might be more interesting, (laughs) depending how you look at it, and why? The best advice I got was probably from my dad. He didn't he didn't really explicitly say it, but he was always like a very curious person. So I would say like, don't be afraid to ask questions was a good, good advice from him or a good example. Cause he would always be the person, like if you go on a tour or you're in an 
like a conference, he'd be the person like who wasn't afraid to like raise their hand and ask a good question. That's perfect advice for becoming a journalist. Right, exactly. <laughs> and besides, I bet it was pretty cool in school when you got to say that my dad's a rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah, even though that when, when I was in school, I don't know if a rocket scientist was a thing, but yeah, I was pretty proud of him. <laughs> That's great. I love that. You said it earlier, you're a single mom, but you're, you've got children. You know, you're clearly a master juggler out there. You know, you're managing a high profile career and you're raising a family. How do you do it? What's the, the one or two secrets that are gems that you might share with our audience? Lean on other people, like my family, my neighbors, especially. They've helped, helped me out, and friends have helped me out a lot. Um, or of women, other women in your circle, don't be afraid to network and reach out to other women or men who do the same thing that you do and have a conversation. And I would also say, like, teach your kids to be self-sufficient and ask for help <laughs> when they good. need to. <laughs> I like that. Write things down. Uh, I have two calendars, one's paper and one's virtual. So, um, and I find the one where I actually write things in is the one I look look at a lot. And work at a fa- place that's family friendly, you know, if, if you're going to have a family. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And obviously, Industry Week is a uh, family friendly place. Yes, I've had a lot of flexibility from, I've had two bosses here and they've both been great about being flexible and they understand having a family. So it's great. And obviously it, look, it benefits them, right? They get great work from you. Yes, they benefit too. Before we close up, I want to squeeze in one last one, which is more on a lighter note. I always like to ask, cause everybody has such interesting responses. If you could have one superpower, Laura, what would it be and why? I mean, I think this is going to be very, uh, not that exciting, but I think this my superpower would be the superpower of cleaning the entire house with the touch of a finger because uh, <laughs> I hate doing that. And I guess I would have someone do that if I could, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I don't, I've never heard that. That is awesome. You know, and, and I've been a single mom on my own and you have to teach your kids how to do the chores too, but you know, you're also taking care of them. So any household help I can get, I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, hey, teaching the kids to be self-sufficient is, is you're doing the best thing for them. Yeah. To have those skills. Oh, Laura, thank you. Unfortunately, we are at the end of the show, but I would just, I want to thank you so much for sharing your journey and just your vision for a better future for women in this wonderful business. Thanks so much for having me, Linda. Oh, our pleasure. So for more information about Industry Week and being an editorial contributor, they should go to industryweek.com, right? Yeah, they can email me if they like. Uh, it's just my name, laura.poucheray at industryweek.com. Okay. and Or they could connect with you on LinkedIn too. Yeah, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. For sure. So Laura Poutre, P-U-T-R-E right. at industryweek.com. Right. Okay, perfect. And we'll, we'll include that in the write-up that goes with this podcast All right. Well, thank you. Thanks again. And, you know, and hopefully we'll have you back next year. And hopefully uh, that salary survey will be uh, less than 20%. Yes. (laughs) I'm hoping so, for sure. (laughs) All right. You too. Thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks for listening out there. We look forward to our next show. Stay tuned for more great stories with Empowering Women. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. 
For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.